We have all this love and this fountain of life flowing up out of us by the Holy Spirit. We are God's redeemed, yet all that we have is set aside and sealed up and reserved for Him. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas, Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. One of the great comforts the weary Christian experiences is when Jesus softly speaks words of encouragement and love to our hearts. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thanks for joining us this time. Today, we're continuing the series, The One That Got Away, taken from the Song of Solomon. Last time on Life Talk, we saw Solomon, who was a picture of the allurement of the world, entering Jerusalem with all the pomp, power, prosperity, and popularity of a worldly king. The citizens had watched the display with varied reactions, all of them admiringly. The Shulamite, who was a picture of Christ's bride, the church, was still Solomon's virtual prisoner. None of Solomon's display had impressed the Shulamite, who was totally dedicated to the shepherd. In today's message, called An Hour of Togetherness, the shepherd again finds a way to be with his beloved Shulamite. Once more, he tells her how much he loves her, and he assures her that when the time is ripe, he would come back to carry her away from all the dangers and temptations besetting her. So let's go right to part two of the message, An Hour of Togetherness. As the shepherd saw the radiance of the Shulamite, the Lord Jesus sees the radiance of his church. Amen? Do you believe that the Lord is blessed when he looks at his church here tonight? Sure, he looks at us through the blood. And so we've seen the Shulamite's personal radiance. Next, we're going to see her passionate response to the shepherd. Look at what all he just said to her. How many of you ladies can say, I'd have a passionate response? (laughs) Really? Come on, ladies. Amen. You would at least say, oh, that's so sweet. So she has a response to all of these incredibly romantic things she just heard. She talks about two things, the morning and a mountain. Verse 6. She says, until, here's her response, until the day breaks and the shadows flee away, I will go my way to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. And what does that mean? First, her heart was occupied with the coming day. Though now she was in Solomon's gilded prison, he could not keep her forever. And folks, we will not be in this world forever. We will not be. Likewise, we're in a dark world today of perversion and godlessness, and it's only getting darker and only getting more perverse. We are watching deviancy defined down by the hour. But his real church, true church, is growing into the fullness of the stature of Christ, and his word to us is, hang on, because the day is coming when I'm taking you out. Look what she says. But soon for us, the day will break and the shadows will flee away. This is not going to last forever. This too shall pass. Now the mountains of myrrh and the hills of frankincense, she mentions, 
They don't exist anywhere on earth. Myrrh and frankincense are two of the gifts the wise men brought to baby Jesus. You remember that? They brought frankincense and myrrh. They represent Jesus' death on the cross. Now again, the Holy Spirit gave this poem as much as he gave us Hebrews or the book of John. Okay? So when the Holy Spirit uses the verbiage and the picture of myrrh and frankincense, you think he knew what he was doing? It points to the crucifixion of Christ. It points to the resurrected Christ. Myrrh and frankincense represent his death on the cross. One day, because of his death on the cross, we will climb those everlasting hills of frankincense and breathe forever the fragrance of the myrrh in heaven. So we have the personal radiance and the passionate response of the Shulamite. She said, I can't wait to be delivered from here. And until then, I am focusing on what you have done for me. And it's by what you have done for me that I am one day going to be taken out. Now, next we come to her pilgrim responsibility. In other words, what's her responsibility while she journeys on waiting for the shepherd to appear and actually finally deliver her? She's in Solomon's pavilion She is not where she would rather be. She'd rather be in the fields again with the shepherd, but she's not. She has been taken. She is in a picture of the world, and Solomon is a picture of the tempter, and she is in a battle. So what is her responsibility as a pilgrim or a journeyer while this is her case? The shepherd, though yet away in a distant place, is fully aware of the dangers and the temptations of sailing the Shulamite in Solomon's court. Both fear and flattery are being used against her. So the shepherd now talks to her about five things to aid her in her pilgrimage. Her person, her position, her passion, her protection, and her perfection. He begins with her person. Here's what he says again. Here he goes again. You are all fair, my love, and there's not a spot in you. Now, church, I want you to really catch this because it is so important that we understand Our position in Christ, our position in Christ is guiltless, forgiven, redeemed, all right? We are spotless because of the blood of Jesus. And Paul talked about keeping and maintaining a clear conscience because if you don't have a clear conscience, it's going to take you down in the moment of warfare, You've got to maintain a clear conscience. And one of the ways we keep a clear conscience is refusing to let the devil condemn us when we know we're forgiven. So it's very important that she understand here while she's in Solomon's pavilion and in this temptation and in this battle, her person, how he sees her. Because of his love for her, the shepherd sees only spotless beauty and perfection. And that's how Christ sees us, his church, his bride. Paul the Apostle tells us that Jesus sees us not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. It's so important in our own spiritual journey to keep in mind our purity in the eyes of our great shepherd. He died so that he could look at us and say, Thou art fair, my love. I see no spot in you. Next, he talks of her position. And it is a very perilous position. The shepherd knows even better than her the danger she is in. So he first speaks to her about the heights she must climb by faith. 
Look at what he says. Come with me. Now I want everybody to say that together, okay? Come with me. Now, when Jesus says that to you and to me, he said, I want you to come up higher. I want you to come with me. Every single day of our life, when we awaken as a redeemed child of God, Jesus is saying to us, come with me today. Walk with me. Lay hold of me by faith. He says, come with me from Lebanon, my spouse. Come with me from Lebanon. What's he doing? He's calling her to higher ground while she is in the world, battling the enemy, fighting the court women, and waiting for the return of her king, her shepherd. He's calling her to higher ground. Come with me. He wanted to accomplish exactly what Jesus wants to accomplish in us when we are told to set our affections on things above and not on things of this earth, for you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It matters where your focus is. He is dealing with her focus. He said, I don't want you focusing on Solomon, the tempter. I don't want you focusing on the court women who are mocking you and don't understand your faith. I want you focusing on me. I want you to come with me. I want you to set your sights unto me. What did Hebrew say? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, in despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. How did Jesus endure the cross? He looked at what was coming. He had his focus. He had his focus on what was beyond the cross a redeemed bride, a resurrected Savior, who is now Lord of Lords, King of Kings, coming back one day, and history will end at his feet. He saw that, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So all he's saying is, Shulamite, my bride, my dear, my love, my fair one, get your eyes off of these things that are around you and put them on me. He's saying, though you're in difficult circumstances, place your faith, plant your faith in higher ground. Then he names some key locations. In these locations, the Word of God constantly amazes me. He said, I want you to look from the top of Amana, from the top of Sinar, and I'm not sure about these pronunciations, but it doesn't matter. Look from the top of Amana, from the top of Sinar, or Sanir, and Hermon. Take a couple of these. Amana means constancy, integrity truth. It's in the place of integrity and truth that we are able to walk on higher ground. He's saying to her, my fair one, my love, my Shulamite, while you're in Solomon's pavilion and before I have come to take you out, I want you walking in the integrity of your heart. I want you to live a life of integrity. In other words, he's saying to her, character matters. Then he mentions senior or senior, S-E-N-I-R. Senior means bear the lamp. Bear the lamp. Even in her difficult circumstances, she was to bear the lamp of integrity and faithfulness to the shepherd. Can everybody say with me, bear the lamp? What do we do while we're still on this earth and there is a tempter and there are worldly people all around us, and godlessness seems to be reigning, and deviancy is being defined down, and it seems to be getting darker and darker. And as Jeremiah the prophet said, the shadows of the evening are lengthening. What do we do? Well, we walk in the integrity 
of Christ's character, and we bear the lamp. We bear the lamp. Jesus said to us, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. In other words, Jesus said, bear the lamp. Occupy till I come. Walk in integrity, Shulamite, and bear the lamp. Mm. That's our responsibility in our pilgrimage on this earth. That's our responsibility. Walk in integrity and bear the lamp. And that's what Turning Point intends to do. We're going to walk in integrity and we're going to bear the lamp. We're going to hold it up so high. I want one of those Walmart is opening next week spotlights. You ever seen one of those things? You're driving down the road and there is this huge light cutting through the night. It seems to reach to the moon. You go, what in the world is that? And it's just this huge spotlight because Walmart's opening next week. I want one of those Walmart spotlights here. And I want to shine the light into the night. Bear the lamp. Knowing some of you, you're going to go find one and bring it. I know you are. Then here the shepherd acknowledges. He says, you're right. You are surrounded with danger. Look what he says. Come with me from Lebanon, my spouse. Come with me from the lion's dens, from the mountains of the leopards. You are surrounded by lions, my love, and leopards. Solomon was lion-like in his comportment, and so is the devil. First Peter 5 says, your enemy, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The Greek there is literally eat alive. So what does the Bible say? The devil's lion-like. And here's the shepherd saying, I understand you're in a den of lions. But Solomon was also like a leopard in his outward beauty. He inherited, there's no question about it, he inherited major looks from his dad and his mother Bathsheba. He was a GQ looker. That's right. But you know what? Inside of that GQ looker was an animal that would tear her to pieces if she yielded. Let me tell you something, folks. Sometimes beauty hides the most vicious of hearts. Matter of fact, sometimes because somebody is so pretty or so handsome, doors open for them. People treat them differently and it goes to their head and they begin thinking more of themselves than they ought to. And they get proud. And sometimes you'll see the most beautiful or handsome people do the most wicked things. You know, a teenager wrote one time and said, I wish I wasn't so ugly. I wish I had looks because everywhere I go, I'm treated differently. And my question was this, but let me ask you a question. What would you do with it if you had looks? Would you glorify God with it? You know what a temptation it is for some of these people who are born so attractive? You got to humble yourself before God. And this Solomon, even his hair, his hair, I forget how many pounds it weighed. This guy had a mane, but it all went to his head. He was a legend in his own mind. It all went to him and he couldn't handle it. And very few people can handle 
really attractive looks. So there was an animal inside this guy, and it was a leopard. It was a lion. And the shepherd knew it. So she must keep her heart firmly fixed on her beloved and in spirit maintain fellowship with him, lest she be eaten alive by this lion and this leopard. And folks, it's the same with you and me. Satan's best temptations come wrapped in beauty. That's his job. It's not a sin to be attractive, but I'm saying he makes wrong look beautiful. He makes sin look reasonable. Matter of fact, I think one of Satan's favorite phrases is, let's just sit down and reason about this. So, of course, it's going to come to you in a way that appeals to the lust of your eye and the lust of your flesh and the pride of life. And that's exactly how Solomon came to her. We also are in a lion's den, you and me. As we just quoted, your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Peter says, here's what you do. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the exact same kind of sufferings as you are. And how do we resist him steadfast in the faith? By doing what the Shulamite was told to do. You come away with me. Get your focus on me, your shepherd. Focus and fix your eyes on me and fellowship with me. Though I am apart from you physically, I'm with you in the spirit. Her person and her position have been addressed. Next, the shepherd speaks to her passion. The shepherd talked about the loving news she had for him. What better way to protect herself from Solomon's temptations than the love she had for him? Verse 9, you have ravished my heart. This is the shepherd talking to her. You have ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. You have ravished my heart with one look of your eyes, with one wink or link of your necklace. (laughs) He's saying, I'm gone. I have never known a love like yours. It is beyond comparison. Now, watch this, church. Did you know that Jesus treasures every single expression of your love towards him like that? We're in a love relationship. Right now, let's just lift your hand and just look at him and say, Lord, I do love you. And do you know what that means to him? Can you believe that when you do that, he says, oh, you have ravished my heart. My sister, my spouse. Now, can you imagine the Lord speaking to you this way? In this kind of love language? He does. Verse 10, how fair is your love, my sister, my spouse? How much better than wine is your love and the scent of your perfumes than all spices? Their relationship is pure because what does he call her? His sister. So he's saying by calling her his sister, our relationship is pure. Siblings. But he also calls her my spouse. And that means there was not just purity, but there was passion. But it was passion with barriers. It was passion with lines in the sand. Here he goes again. Verse 11, your lips, oh, my spouse drip as the honeycomb, honey and milk are under your tongue. And the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. He's saying her love was sweet like a honeycomb. When somebody loves you, it's sweet like a honeycomb, satisfying like honey and milk and stimulating like Lebanon which was the home of the great cedar trees. And when you looked at those forests of cedars, it took your breath away. He said, that's the way I feel when I look at you. Can you even imagine this is what our 
Lord Jesus Christ, our love for him means to him. Come on, church. Think about that. I want you to go home thinking about that. That's what our love means to him. Her person, her position, her passion have all been addressed. Next, the shepherd speaks to her protection. Look what he says, verse 12. A garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. A spring shut up, a fountain sealed. Notice the words, enclosed, shut up, sealed. She is a garden enclosed. Her beauty was not for just anyone. It was closed off only for him, enclosed. She's a spring shut up. She was like a flowing stream of endless bounty, but her generosity had its bounds. He had first claims on her. So though she was a fountain, it was shut up. That is, it had boundaries and they were reserved for him. And then she was a fountain. Like a fountain, she was effervescent. She was overflowing. She was attractive. This girl had personality charisma. But again, the fountain had a seal upon it The shepherd was first and all others were trespassing. And when we read that description of her, that's exactly the way the church, the Shulamite of the New Testament ought to be. We have all this love and this fountain of life flowing up out of us by the Holy Spirit. We are God's redeemed, yet all that we have is set aside and sealed up and reserved for him. Then finally, the shepherd spoke of her perfections. And I'm just going to read these next few verses Your plants are an orchard of pomegranates with pleasant fruits and fragrant henna with spikenard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, with all the chief spices, a fountain of gardens, a well of waters, and streams from Lebanon. Let me just sum this up. She was the bomb. Now again, can you believe me when I say When Jesus looks at his real, true, redeemed church, in his eyes, we're the bomb. Now, just before the shepherd ends their tryst, he whispers to her a few words about the greatest and the brightest hope of all, the promised rapture of the Shulamite, and I'll deal with that next time. Well, I hope you're enjoying this study in the Song of Solomon as much as I did teaching it. It's amazing how this beautiful, extended, and God-inspired poem, penned by Solomon, speaks right to our own relationship with the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. God knows exactly what we need to hear and how to speak guiding wisdom into our own spiritual struggles. Now, don't go anywhere. Our announcer has some exciting things to share with you, our Life Talk listeners and supporters. Join me again next time for another exciting message from our life-changing series, The One That Got Away, taken straight from the Song of Solomon. Until then, may God bless you richly is my prayer. Hi, this is Jeff Wickwire, the host of Life Talk Radio, and I've got some exciting news for you. It's been in my heart for quite some time to see our Turning Point worship team produce their own Christ-exalting music. And you know what? It's finally happened.
TPC Worship's debut album, Mercy Triumphs, is available right now on iTunes and Amazon, or you can visit tpcfamily.org forward slash worship to get your copy today. That's tpcfamily.org forward slash worship and get your copy, and I know it's going to be a blessing to you. An Hour of Togetherness is the sixth message of Pastor Jeff's series, The One That Got Away. You can own a copy of this 10-CD set for just $50 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, The One That Got Away, for only $50 plus shipping. By logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.